0: Welcome to the Freed-Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9, and today I have Jonathan Estes with me, and Jonathan is the Athletic Director at Freed-Hartman University. Welcome, Jonathan.
1: Appreciate it. Enjoying being here today.
0: So Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at Freed-Hartman, and what have your roles been here at Freed-Hartman?
1: Yeah, so I, I uh, grew up right outside St. Louis, Missouri in a town called St. Charles and, and lived there most of my life, came to Freed Hardeman as a sophomore, um, transferred here as, as, as a sophomore in college and graduated from Freed Hardeman, met my wife Ashley uh, here, Ashley's from uh, West Kentucky in Mayfield, Kentucky, uh, but uh, started out uh, my professional career as a, as a, as a coach uh, in St. Louis at Harris-Stowe State University and spent... Three years coaching at Stowe, uh which is a historically black college, and uh, enjoyed my time there. Had an opportunity to come back in 2009 to freed Hardman, and I was the head baseball coach here for 13 years, uh, coaching the Lion baseball team. And then uh, just this past June, last June, transitioned to the uh, role of athletic director. So uh, just uh, just just have really enjoyed that transition. Enjoyed my time as a coach definitely, but now getting an opportunity to work with. know 350 student athletes on a on a regular basis has been a a true joy for me
0: great and you did a great job as the baseball coach um y'all attained many postseason awards and just did a great job so you were a baseball coach for 13 years
1: 13 years at freed hardman and like i said i spent three years the head coach at harris stowe state university so total of 16 years uh before that i had coached high school basketball for five years and Uh, also coached uh, high school baseball for a couple years and have done some summer stuff and I've got three kids two boys and a girl and I've I've been very active coaching them through throughout their uh, baseball and basketball and and soccer youth you know youth team softball so just had a lot of time being around you know different sports and, and having an opportunity to coach and
0: of course you've been in the church Uh, Throughout your life, so you bring a unique perspective to our discussion today. And and, and of course, this is a FHU Leadership Podcast, and we're thinking about leadership. We're thinking about church leadership, and so we're we're really uh, trying to combine those things in this discussion today. Of thinking about sports and what we learn from sports and how those lessons apply uh, to the church context and to any leadership context. And so, so as you think about, uh, let go back in your past a little bit. When you think about growing up in athletic teams where you've been uh, a participant before you were a coach, what, what did you learn as a player and what was your thoughts about leadership in those contexts?
1: You know, you know, growing up my dad was a high school coach. He coached three sports, you know, so I got a chance to kind of uh, enjoy being uh, in the coaching world, if you will, even as a young person, you know, and getting to see some of the decisions that were made. And, you know, and that's one of the things that uh, players, uh, you know, they're a piece of the puzzle and they don't always get to see the entire puzzle. Uh, like a coach does, and and sometimes you don't understand how those pieces are fitting together. So, uh, you know, getting to grow up with my dad, coaching and and learning that from an early age was uh, something that was really uh, powerful for me and something that I kind of, uh, you know, was attracted to uh, being a a person who who tried to help explain that to young people uh, and and help them to find their way. Uh, you know, I had some great coaches uh, in high school, uh, had some, had some great, I played basketball and baseball in high school, had an opportunity to play for some really good teams at a big high school, about 2,500 students at my high school, and, uh, you know, just had a, an opportunity to to really play at a high level and be around some really good coaches, uh, not only, like I said, my dad, but just, uh, you know, the baseball coach that I played for in high school was a Hall of Fame, you know, Missouri State Hall of Fame coach, and and things of that nature. So just had an opportunity to uh, really get a lot of examples of people doing it right early on. Uh, but then I also had an opportunity to be around some people that, you know, just, you know, didn't have positive experiences yeah. with. And, you know, uh, you learn just as much as from the people who do it right as you do sometimes the people who aren't doing it right. And, and just, you know, hey, what, what was it about that person that just, You know, really didn't like their leadership style, or didn't like about their communication style, or what was it? You can learn those things, and and you know, try to stay away from those things, if you will.
0: Yeah, that's good. So, in really, what in some ways, sports is like a microcosm for life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's a athletic contest, a game, uh, or whether it's a team, uh, it's really like a life compacted into a moment. And I think we learn so many valuable lessons from sports. Because it's like life in miniature. Have you experienced that kind of thought? for
1: sure? For sure. You know, it's it's funny. My wife uh, Ashley on on Facebook after a lot of our baseball weekends, she would a lot of times put some uh, life lessons that we learned that weekend. And you're exactly right. I mean, you know, in baseball, for instance, you have a nine inning baseball game where there are uh, there are valleys, there are mountains uh, within that nine innings. There's frustration. You know you think about baseball you think about a person who's in the hall of fame who hits 300 you know they fail seven out of ten times uh and that's a person who's really really successful and so being able to learn how to deal with failure being able to learn how to deal with uh, good things and bad things and and the teamwork and and you're exactly right you get all of that jam-packed into an athletic event you know whether it be you know 32 minutes in a high school basketball game or, or seven innings in a high school baseball game or nine innings or whatever the case might be, three hours, you get a lot of life lessons compacted. And and when that goes throughout the, an entire year, when you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with uh, struggles and, and you're dealing with, you know, being hot and being cold, and it's just there's a lot of those things that parallel life where, where you run into struggles and you run into, uh, you know, three or four or five months where it seems like everything's going wrong in your life and, and you just you know just constantly are running into a, a door. And it's the same thing in, in sports. And, you know, that's one of the things that we talk to about these young people is, is you're preparing yourself right now for life. You know, being a really great baseball player, a really great basketball player, or, or tennis athlete, or whatever the case might be, you're having to learn to deal with those things and your character's being molded and uh, you're going to you're going to be able to utilize those things throughout the entire uh, your entire life. So, um, you know, just if, if you're not learning lessons, you know, in sports, then you're probably not paying attention uh, to what's going on around you.
0: Yeah, it's, that's a very good point. And that's one of the reasons, you know, you have kids related to your, my kids and been involved with it, even with some of your kids in sports. And and that's one of the reasons I want to encourage my kids to be involved in sports because of the emotions in it. You learn how to control your emotions. To the the teamwork aspect, having to follow the coach, just so many lessons for youth sports. But so talking about uh, your role as a coach, and then now even transitioning and doing a great job as our, as a new athletic director, and trying to be involved with a lot of different coaches and teams. What's your what would you say is your leadership philosophy? What was your your coaching philosophy, your leadership philosophy, um, as a baseball coach, and even even now as an athletic director?
1: You know. When I first started coaching, I, I started. I, I, I played professional baseball when I graduated from Freed Hardman for for three years. So, when I got into coaching, uh, when I was you know 23, 24 years old, uh, I was a very transactional coach. What I mean by that is, is is I looked at a lot of the relationships that I had coaching as how can that person benefit me and our team? How can that person help us win? Mm-hmm. And as time went on, I started to learn to be more of a transformational coach uh, where uh, you can, are concerned more about the student athlete, you're concerned more about the person and in the relationships and connecting with them and trying to help them be the best they can be. And what I saw from that is is I kind of shifted my focus. Uh, it, it helped us to be more successful because uh, when you, you get people and you build them up and you encourage them and you – try to help them be the best versions of themselves as a, as a person and as a player, then you're going to get a lot more out of the field with them. So I would say during my coaching career, I really transformed uh, into more of a, a relational type coach where I, I really concentrated on uh, some of the life lessons and some of the off-the-field things. And obviously as a, as a baseball guy, I'm going to try to help you learn how to throw a fastball or how to hit a curveball or how to field a ground ball. Obviously, we're going to try to do that, but I just really, really enjoyed trying to uh, connect and, and hit on some of those things that aren't baseball-related, like we talked about earlier, the the life lessons that you can learn in the game. And that kind of be- became who I was as a coach and, and what my style was. And, uh, you know, if you struggled and, and failed, we tried to figure out a way to learn from that instead of, you know, you know, beat a beat a person down because they're not they're not performing at the level that you want them to, and 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 it was, it was really interesting as we focused more on those types of things, how much more successful we were as a program, and, and I think those things are tied together. So, really, as an athletic director, I've I've taken that same approach, and and what I want each one of our coaches to do is I want them to feel like they have. Uh, they're being supported. That they're, uh, you know, they're being encouraged and try to build them up and try to help them be the best that they can be for their teams and for their student athletes. And then, you know, just being out there for for our, our, all of our teams and our student athletes as well, helping them to understand that, hey, uh, you know, we're we're on your side and and I want to be your biggest fan. And whenever there are struggles, we're going to deal with those as well. But you know, there's there's a lot of things that are important. Uh, in life that aren't just W's and L's and uh, we've, we try to focus on those uh, a lot more and and it's interesting the championships and the W's come a lot more frequently when when you have those types of relationships and I think we've got some great examples you know in, in uh, you know when you look around at, at bigger programs, you know the Clemsons, the Dabo Sweeneys of, of the world who, you know, he's known for that type of relationship with, and you see how Clemson has been really successful in college football for this last several years. And, and uh, you know, you, you just got a lot of examples nowadays of, of, of people who, who take more of that approach. And, and I think it works out uh, more times than it doesn't. And just you build not only great players and great teams, but more importantly, you know, I think you can judge a coach more 20 years from now then you know, at the end of the year, once yeah. once the the season's over, uh, you know, somebody somebody asked a coach one time, like, "How how good was your season?" He said, "Well, ask me in twenty years." And, and And the point being is, is let's see what these guys and girls what they end up becoming, what types of fathers and what kind of you know leaders in their community and what kind of you know business professionals or teachers or lawyers or whatever they become, uh, husbands. You know, what type of people are they uh, twenty years from now? Really a lot of times is, is how you you know we, we should be judging success yeah. in, in sports.
0: I totally agree That that's a great, so really it's more of a servant leadership model, mm-hmm. really more of a model of we want to invest and pour into the person right? and it kind of helps create more of your uh, momentum more your chemistry is that would be a proper thought in terms of your team you're trying to build that in the person and also build that in the, in the players. I've often thought Jonathan that um, and of course watching my kids play and then playing sports, that the one of the jobs of a coach is to put people in the right position mm-hmm. and to help them know that's their position right in other words if you're on a basketball team your job is to get rebounds right your job is to shoot your job is to bring the ball up and that a coach is able to a good coach is able to look at all those roles and figure out who's good at those things and then assign those roles and help everybody then pull for the team effort uh, is and that's kind of what you're speaking of a little bit too so how does a coach how do successful coaches do that well and how does that relate to other organizations and to church work and other things?
1: Right. You know. You know. A lot of that is just communication. Uh, you know, talking with your players. You know, we we always tried to have a lot of communication with our with our players. At the end of each fall, we would we would sit down with them and and just discuss how their fall went. We talked with them before the fall started. You know, hey, what are your goals, and and what are some ways that we can help you be the type of player that you want to be? Those conversations continue in the spring. You know, so helping them understand, number one, what their role is. But then sometimes, you know, uh, in sports, and I, I assume, uh, and see this in, in some other areas as well, people don't like their roles. Yeah. You know, uh, they want to have a different role. And so, you know, part of, the, part of the coaching job is to help them see, A, that no role is more important than the other. You know, you yeah. might be getting all the accolades or whatever the case might be, but, you know, uh, every person's important and, and, you know, there's, there's, we've got scripture that talks about that, you know, so, uh, about all the different parts that are important to the body, you know, and, and that's really trying to sell your team on being a team and, and trying to eliminate. And and part of the communication is, is just showing value to everybody, um, and not really praising, you know, hate performance you know that guy went out the other day and scored 25 points and we're going to just really act like he's the the best thing and and just really pump him up we want to pump up and encourage that type of uh you know output but we also want to spend the same amount of time and energy pumped up that person on the end of the bench who maybe didn't get in a minute the whole game but they were just completely locked in that game and were cheering for their teammates we want to praise that type of behavior as well and just show that we need both of those people on our team, that guy scoring twenty-five and that guy sitting on the end of the bench that never gets to play, and they're both equally important to the success of this team. And if we don't have one, we're not gonna be as strong, you yeah. know, and, and just getting a group of people to buy into that and to believe in that is it's a it's a constant daily culture message that you're just trying to preach to your team and talk about. And you do that with stories and, 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 and just, like I said, the way that you communicate. And if you come into my office and say, Hey, I don't like my role, then I'm going to try to figure out, we're going to talk about like what, you know, what role do you want to be in and how can we get there? And in the meantime, while you're not in the role you want to be in, let's be the best at what we're doing right now. Let's let's just put everything that we've got into where my feet are right this second and, and what role I'm in right this, right this minute. And as I strive to do that, I'm going to push all the people around me to be better, but it's also going to help me get to where I want to be individually as well. Yeah.
0: Well, of course, Jonathan, you know, I'm coming from a preaching background, preaching in Mayfield where your wife was from, uh, and so we've had ties through there. And this is just like all resonating so much with me in terms of Scripture. And of course, I know you being involved in the church so long and studying Scripture you alluded to these things, but it makes me think of Ephesians chapter four, where Paul is talking and and you were talking about the idea of you're going from transactional to transformational. And really that concept is so in the Bible. When you talk about the role that leaders have in the church, Ephesians four verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. The role of leadership then is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. And this reminds me of a coach Because the leaders have the job of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Now, what's interesting here is that the leaders don't do the work of ministry. They equip the members to do the work of ministry. Now, obviously, leaders do some ministry, but in this context, they are to train the members. And it reminds me of a coach. You never threw a pitch. You never hit a strike or you never hit a ball. You're sending your guys out to do it. But what you were doing was equipping, you were transforming them, and and equipping them to go out and do the work, of in that context the game, and and to be successful. And so really, when we think about this, these sports lessons for for church and other contexts, that's exactly what elders, it's what deacons, it's what ministers, that's what parents. I mean, the same concepts apply,
1: don't they? They they do. And and you know, some of the sometimes as a parent or a coach, you want you don't want to you don't want your your players or your kids to be unsuccessful. Yeah. But you know a good coach is going to put a player and a good parent is going to put their kid into situations where they're not always going to succeed. Mm-hmm. They're going to sometimes fail. And there's a lot of learning that goes on in those failures and in those lessons and you know um, putting putting your your individuals into situations and equipping them to to deal with those things there's going to be adversity. There's going to be, you know, uh, lessons that come up, and we want them to learn those. Uh, But we want them to be prepared that when they're faced with that adversity, they know how to deal with it. And they're probably not always going to be, you know, 10 for 10 on getting every single one of those right, but putting them in those situations where they can be successful and then helping them, you know, along the way. You know, a lot of times I would tell our, our, our players that, you know, you're driving your car, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm serving as the guardrails. I'm going to yeah. try to keep you from driving off the cliff, but I'm going to let you drive the car. And, uh, and you know, that's kind of the relationship that, that we like to have as coach, coaches with our players is, is just helping them along the way. And, and whenever they start to get t- too close to the edge, we try to get them back onto the road. Uh, but we're going to let them drive the car.
0: And then you said something else that I want to go to. You were talking about of course it reminded me of First Corinthians twelve, you alluded to that, the body and, and how we we all play an important role in the body and one is not higher than the other, but we're to honor even the weaker vessels we're to honor as Paul's talking about. But you in the context of that, you said something, you used a word that uh, that has been talked about a lot in the last ten years or so, and that's the word culture. Mm-hmm. And not not talking about culture in terms of like the American culture Mexican culture or something like that. We're talking about creating a culture within a team. So you're like you've got your the culture of this baseball team and the culture of this basketball team. And sometimes we'll say that culture is just all messed up. There's just a lot of, you know, conflict and, and issues. So what kind of culture uh, did you try to create? And also you, you alluded to this, but add more to it about how do you create culture? Because really this applies to the church. And so leaders and in the, in the preacher and the minister, the elders, really what they want to do is create a winning culture and, and not with, You know on the field but we want to create a a culture where there's love a culture where there's evangelism there's involvement where everybody feels connected um and everybody feels equipped so how do you create this culture because culture doesn't just happen does it
1: no it doesn't it it has to be something that's intentional you know Uh, you have to be intentional about what it is that you want to create we did that with uh we tried to advertise to ourselves what are the things that we want and what are the things that are important within our program, we're going to just constantly talk about those things. We're going to measure those things. Um, You know, just uh, as the coach and all the assistant coaches and the way that the players talk to each other and interact, I tried to tell them often how much I love them. I try to tell them, hey, when I made a mistake out there, I I should not have sent that person uh, from third in that situation or I should have taken – this person out of the game, an inning earlier, and I took them, left them in there too long, and we gave up five runs. You know, just being vulnerable as a leader, I think, is very important because um, you know it, it gives, it lets people see. Uh, number one, that we're human. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two, that uh, we don't feel like we've got it all figured out. And um, you know, so it, it has to be something that is intentional, and we're just constantly, every single day, reinforcing. Uh, what it is that we want what are the characteristics that we want to be known for you know within our program we wanted to be known for being tenacious we wanted to be disciplined we wanted to to have a, a, a respect and a love for our teammates you know and just being the best teammate and you you mentioned being a servant leader that was, that was one of the things that we talked about trying to find ways to serve others you know there'd be a lot of times with players would come in and they'd be talking about struggling, Uh, I haven't gotten a hit in the last, you know, 10 at-bats or last three times I've pitched, I've I've just done really poorly. And more times than not, my advice in those situations was for them to focus less on their problems and focus more on their teammates and find ways that they could try to pour into their teammates. And what would usually happen in those situations is they would get really wrapped up into their, their teammates being successful they would take some of the pressure and some of the uh, adversity that they're facing, and it would minimize that, or it would just take it away altogether, and they were able to relax and just go out and perform at the level that they wanted to. So, really, just showing love and being a great teammate and pouring into each other—just those are just daily messages that that we tried to to do. And I, I think as a result of that, there was there was great culture within our program, um, you know, and and a lot of people have asked me about culture, you know, and, and talked about that. And, and the way I, I look at it as a head coach and, and even now as an athletic director is, is I'm trying to set the environment that where everything else is going on and providing that type of environment. And if I don't provide an environment where the where people feel free to, you know, uh, put family first or, or love each other or different things of that nature, if I'm going to come down hard on a, one of my assistant coaches, for instance, when – uh, he's got one of his daughters is at home sick and I'm like, no, I, I need you to be in the office today that's not that's not putting our family first and it's not showing love you know so just being able to provide an atmosphere where people feel comfortable to love and to serve each other and and we really try to inf- reinforce that with the way that we uh, acknowledge the way that we praise uh, we were talking off air about our roar awards that we had this past weekend and we gave out uh you know awards to uh, our teammates voted on each of those and in, in all of our sports and and one of the awards was best christian example mm-hmm. the other another award was best teammate and another award was team mvp so really two out of those three awards that each of our teams gave had nothing to do with performance on the field it had to do with how they behaved in the locker room or how they acted off the field or how they interacted with their teammates. And so I think that's just part of that is we're going to put two-thirds of our emphasis on our awards on things that don't even have anything to do with dribbling a ball or throwing a baseball or or running or any of that thing. And I I just think that that's how you create culture. You focus on uh, those right things, and then you just continually, continually, continually – uh, preach that message to to your team or your congregation or your employees or whoever it is that you're leading.
0: Culture has to be you, – you nailed it. I, I totally agree with you. you got to be intentional about it. You've got to constantly communicate it verbally. But more importantly, I love what you said, is you've got to live it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got if, – if you could say it, but you don't live it. And so, like, if you're saying family first, family first – but then you're not practicing that idea, as you mentioned with the assistant coach and, and having his little girl sick. If you don't practice that, then that sends a mixed message, and that creates actually a, a lack of following culture because then it develops this dishonesty and this uh, right. And so and so wonderful thoughts there about culture. All those apply so much to church, and I think in co- in a congregational setting, we often assume that people know the culture, and like in an athletic contest, we often f- assume people know. But, but we, that's really the failure we make is we can't assume we've got to constantly communicate this. We've got to repeat it over and over and then we've got to practice it. Uh, and so the basic values uh, that we want to have in our organization, in our church, in our um, businesses, we've got to communicate them and then we've got to live them out regularly. And that will shape our culture. Jonathan, we uh, really have lo- loved this conversation. what As we kind of wrap all this up, uh, and kind of speak to 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 the, our audience has men and women, but primarily, you know, any leaders, any church leaders out there, what would you say is a lesson that you'd want them to take if you were going to, you know, speak to them from an athletic sense over to them applying that in a local church context? What lesson would you say uh, to kind of wrap all this up?
1: You know, one of the conversations that I have a lot with people that I lead, whether it be coaches or whether it be uh, student athletes or other people at the university, you know, and I tell them is, is a lot of times we have to make really hard decisions, you mm-hmm. know, in leadership. You have to make really hard decisions. And, and you just got to make sure that no, first and for, foremost you make the, the right decisions. You don't necessarily make the decision that's going to be the most popular mm-hmm. or you make the decision that um, is going to give you the least amount of grief. You've got to make the right decision, but then also understand that there are going to be consequences to that decision. There are going to be people who are upset. There are going to be people people who are hurt mm-hmm. potentially by that decision. Uh, if I decide to uh, go one direction over another, that that's going to make one person really happy, but it's going to it's going to really hurt somebody else. And. And uh, first and foremost, you've got to make the right decisions for the right reasons mm-hmm. uh, to, to benefit the entire organization or the, the, the congregation or the team or whatever the case might be. But then also understand that those decisions have, have consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and just because uh, we didn't go your direction on this particular uh, decision doesn't mean that, we, that you don't still have an important part to play and, and, and just being able to you know, communicate and deal and love uh, all those individuals, understand that, uh, you know, decisions have consequences. And and I think that's something that uh, I try to remind myself of frequently. Uh, I I didn't, you know, always get it right as a Mm -hmm. coach and obviously won't always get it right as an athletic director as well. But, you know, just just trying to, to, like you said, we talked about earlier, just being transformational and, and developing those relationships and connecting and following up. You know, after those those tough tough things yeah. happen, maybe maybe I don't want to talk to you about it. You know, right in the heat of the moment, but you know, two or three days down the road or a week from now, let's let's get back together and just talk about you know what that situation was, and here's the reason why I chose you know this person, or here's the reason why I chose to do this, or here's the reason why I chose to do that. So, I, I think that uh, I don't think you can ever communicate too much. Um, you know, especially if it's, it's positive and, and, and truthful and, and just telling the truth and, you know, sometimes the truth's going to hurt. John Wooden, uh, who was a great, obviously mm-hmm. great basketball coach, won all those national championships with UCLA. Uh, you know, one of the things that he said was, you know, uh, players, and, you know, you take this to all different aspects, players, wanna, they would rather hear the truth and uh, be mad at you for the next couple days rather than you lie to them and then be mad 30 years from now when uh, all along they thought this lie or they thought, you know, you you told me something that you thought I wanted to hear and now 30 years later, uh, you know, I'm paying the price for it when I I would have rather you told me the truth right in the moment or or been honest with me and I could have just been mad about it for a couple days and then we could have figured out a way to reconcile or overcome or get – you know, grow from that experience, uh, and so that's something that I've always tried to do as a coach, and, and now as an athletic director, is just you know be truthful. And, and they're, mm-hmm. not gonna, they're not always going they're not always going to like necessarily what you say, but hey, that's w- we can figure out where to go from there if, if, if you know you, you know, know where the where truth. We yeah. know where we're at, and you know the truth, and here's my evaluation, and and yeah. uh, this is where we're going to go.
0: That's uh, that's that's wonderful advice. And so many times we try to avoid those situations, and, and you know we talk about sports. Kind of life in miniature. In sports, you got to deal with that. Right. You got to make this choice. We're putting this picture out there. We're pulling this picture, whatever. But in life, we tend to want to push it under the rug and right. hide it. But we're so much better off if we just get it out there. Right. I heard where you was talking about like the idea of telling someone really a lie. We wouldn't call it a lie, but it's a falsehood. Not telling them the truth. And uh, Patrick Lencioni called that cruelty in disguise. Right. And that's you know like if I'm telling you one thing, but I'm, my actions aren't living that out, and I'm really deceiving you, it's cruel. It's cruelty in disguise because I'm acting like I'm nice and kind, but really I'm withholding the truth from you that you deserve to know. Right. And later on when you figure that out or when it hits you that, you know, he really wasn't telling me the truth there. He, he was holding back. He didn't really believe what he was saying. Uh, then they will be upset at right. you. And that causes bitterness, resentment, and it often causes a, a conflict or tension in a relationship that goes unspoken for years mm-hmm. where if you just get it all out on the table, right, uh, you could then move
1: on. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We, all, we all like to – none of us like to be criticized. None right. of us like to be, you know, really coached hard. And, and some people learn to develop where I enjoy you coming to me and talking to me about some ways I can grow and get better. And uh, I've got some coaches that, that, you know, coach here at Freed Hardeman, that just – they love it when I come and talk to them and give them some pointers mm-hmm. because they want to grow and get better. And, and really, as Christians, that's how we should yeah. be. You know, we should want – uh, we should want to be challenged and to grow and to have our toes stepped on every once in a while and not be bitter about uh, our brother or sister. And and, and and the coaching part and the thing I think we can take away maybe on this podcast is with the leadership and the people listening is, is just the, the way that we communicate that and the way that we uh, talk to people and, and, and doing that in love and, and doing that in, in a way that I'm, I'm trying to help you be better. I'm not saying this to you because yeah. uh, you know I, I want you to feel bad about it. I'm saying it to you because I, I, I want you to be all it is that you can be. Be the best, be the best version of yourself that you can be, and and uh, that's the reason why I'm trying to coach you and help you and, and push you and prod you and you know pull and pick up and do all those other p words you know that we do as coaches and as leaders to try to help you uh, be what God's you know designed for you to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that all that is what leaders in the church need to be doing for Christians to help them to get better so that the church overall can be better and what God would have us to be, which is all in that Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 context. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your work at Freed Harbor. Let me encourage our listeners to uh, share our podcast, uh, to rate it so that it help get, um, get up in the standings, if you will, on iTunes and other uh, platforms. Also, um, we encourage you to send us feedback. You can send the feedback at my email, jketchum at uh, Thank you for listening, uh, and we look forward to being with you again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Freed Harman Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.